Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast. We talk hoops. He's Chris Dortch. I'm Kevin Ingram. Great to have you with us. Our guest will be Dane Bradshaw. He will join us shortly, of course, uh, SEC Network analyst and former Tennessee Vol back in the day. Well, Chris, this is March. It's finally here. Uh, you look at the Joe Lenardi latest bracket in the final week of the regular season. The SEC, according to Joe, has six teams in, so hopefully that will hold. Uh, has Alabama as a two, Arkansas a three, Tennessee a six, Florida at a seven seed, Missouri an eight, and LSU a nine as we uh, enter the final days of regular season play. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I, just looking at that, I, I, until you said it just now, I'm thinking LSU as a nine. That's the eight nine game, and the next game is the number one seed. I would be very afraid if I were a number one seed and I look and, and LSU, as Joe predicts, holds at that nine spot. Those guys can score, as you saw the other night. Right. Yeah, I saw a Vanderbilt's game against LSU, and, uh, you know, Cam Thomas is having a fantastic freshman year, leading scorer in the league at 22 per game. Javante Smart averages 16 and does a lot of things for him. But to me, the guy that really makes him go is Trenton Watford. He's just so versatile, can run the floor, he can score for you, he can pass and rebound. Uh, really, really impressive that, with that guy. And uh, LSU just took control of that game early on. Days made three three-pointers right at the beginning, and uh, they were off to the races. Now, defensively, they, they have their struggles at times, but the way their personnel is, they can really switch everything. So uh, it, I, I'm with you. I don't think I'd want to be a top seed and, and you know, staring down the barrel of maybe, maybe playing LSU in a second-round game. That would be a little scary for sure. Yeah, I mean, they've got three big guns. Uh, it's it's crazy. They they have three of the top nine scorers in the SEC, and Cam Thomas is just having a phenomenal freshman year, of course, leading the league in scoring at almost 23 a game. I didn't know this, but uh, he's leading the, the league in free throws attempted and made, 153 made, 174 attempts, and percentage. He's shooting 88%, so he is a bit of a volume shooter, but he gets <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a left-handed compliment. Isn't yeah, it? it absolutely is. Uh, calling somebody a volume shooter—that—that uh, that was me yeah. on the uh, the hard courts of Western Kentucky back in the day. Yeah, you know, Cam Thomas. You know, when you shoot eighty-eight percent, it's one thing if you have maybe ninety or a hundred attempts. It's another if you have as many attempts as he does, and you're still shooting that kind of percentage. That, that's really impressive. No question. And you know, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a high percentage of shots, uh, if 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 you're getting to the rim that often, I think most coaches will say, you know, volume shooter, if that's what they want to call you, go for it. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, he's he can score. Javante Smart has really become a confident three-point shooter in his time there. I think he leads the league at 44%. So, uh, yeah, they've got firepower. And I, I agree with you. Watford is a new-age big who can do a lot of things. I think he'll be a good pro, uh, a 10-year pro or more, and, and uh, just with his package of skills that he has. To the top of the standings, Alabama clinched the SEC regular season on Tuesday, and I know for Bama fans, no sweeter way to do it than to beat Auburn. They beat them 70-58, cut down the nets and everything. At 15-2, and Chris, Nate Oates' team, they really are a deserving champion. Alabama's had a fantastic year. Yeah, they. you know, we – We've mentioned them all year long on, on our newsletter and in our podcast. We've had Nate Oates as a guest, and and I we've said it a lot. I We picked them in our top 25. Uh, I didn't know they'd be this good. And 
that's without, you know, they, they've had injuries and illness. Uh, they've just been really good. And, and I think Nate Oates is, is a star. There's no question. And I don't know that he would ever have to leave a place like Alabama because you can win it all there. And he's built his team the way he wants it. Uh, they're, they're defending this year the way he wants them to, which is to say, like they're in a backyard brawl. Uh, they're relentless. Uh, they do not let the opposition rest. And if you can get your opponent rattled like that, you're going to get a lot of offense just on your defense. And then, of course, we'll talk to Dane about this, but they, you know, they get to the rim or they shoot threes and, it's amazing. They just run that over and over and over again. And they just defy opponents to stop them. And on nights when they're knocking down threes, and John Petty is certainly the the straw that stirs the drink in that regard, but they've got several people that can do it. So on nights when those are falling, as LSU found out, uh, those cats can be hard to beat. We'll talk more about Arkansas with Dane coming up shortly too. Just one of the hottest teams in the nation. Ten straight wins. They beat South Carolina 101 to 73. And, you know, if this was a normal year, Hog fans would be loading up in big numbers to head for Nashville. No real bubble teams. Chris, as far as teams that really have a chance to maybe do something in Nashville and play their way uh, into the tournament, Ole Miss looked like it might be that team. They lost to Vanderbilt on Saturday here in Nashville 75-70. Turned around to beat Kentucky at home 70 to 62, but you kind of feel like the, the tournament hopes might be lost for uh, for Kermit Davis and that old Miss squad. Yeah, that Vanderbilt loss was a crusher for the Rebels. Uh, just checking with our buddy Joey Brackets, he doesn't have them in the last four in or the, mm-hmm. uh, the next four out, so it doesn't look too good. I thought Ole Miss uh, would be better, and and again they, they've had COVID interruptions too. Even Kermit got it. Uh, at one time, back in the summer, I thought Ole Miss had the potential to be a, a top 25 team, but uh, a couple of guys I think that they were counting on didn't play as well as maybe they'd hoped. And, and, uh, it's just been, it's been a tough year for sure. everybody. Uh, if you're not pausing and opponents pausing and if, if, if the COVID wasn't bad enough, there's been weather, bad weather in the deep south, which is, you know, doesn't happen that often. It's just been a weird, strange year, uh, even without the COVID, because there are teams now like Arkansas that really honestly had lost its luster, even under Mike Anderson, who was a protege of Nolan Richardson. And now it's come up, you know, 120 games and uh, 12 and four in the league and, and has won 10 straight league games for the first time since 93, 94. Mm. So, you know, you're seeing sort of a new world order here uh, a little bit. And some other teams have gone back down. Auburn has slipped back down from, from its heyday. Uh, South Carolina has had a miserable existence with the COVID. Uh, Texas A&M has too. So, and then Vandy, the team you cover uh, as radio voice, uh, congrats again. Thank you. Uh, You know, Vandy has just, ever since Kevin Stallings uh, and Vanderbilt parted ways, I think Vanderbilt fans have seen how difficult it is to maintain that program and maybe look back on the Stallings regime with a little more fondness. I don't know. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's it's a 
it, it's a tough league to, you know, when you're down in the lower echelons, it's tough to recover. Yeah, just the, the, the terrible injuries for Vanderbilt, it seems like year after year. It was Darius Garland one year, it was Aaron Neesmith last year, Dylan DeSue has gone for the season, was having a great year and having a great stretch, but uh, out with yeah. knee surgery last week. Scotty Pippen Jr., they're still hoping to have him back, has had a hip problem, so they, they've had to play through a lot of that uh, situ- those situations too with uh, guys getting hurt. But uh, I give them credit, man. They they got out there and battled against Ole Miss, and that that was a huge win for them back on Saturday. And uh, they added a game against Cincinnati this week before they play Ole Miss again, actually in Oxford uh, coming up this Saturday. Uh, Kentucky, you know, it's, you know, it's a strange year when we're talking about Kentucky having a losing record in the SEC. That hasn't happened since I was a senior in high school, and that's been a long time ago. That was in 1989, the 88-89 season, uh, which was uh, Eddie Sutton's last year there. They they had everything going on with all the uh, investigation and probation coming up and all that stuff and just had a, a bad year then. But since then, they, they even through multiple coaches and everything else, they, they haven't had that happen uh, since 1989. So uh, Kentucky is going to be an NCAA tournament without them unless they get hot here in Nashville. And then, uh, you know, you kind of look around the league and you try to figure out who might be all conference. And I jotted down a whole bunch of names from, from all the teams. You know, I've seen, seen everybody either in person or at least, uh, you know, uh, made a, a deep dive into the rosters for all these teams having done the games this year. But Chris, if you're choosing a player of the, of the year, who you got? I mean, do you choose the best player from the best team or do you look elsewhere? Because there, there are a lot of guys who put together some terrific performances this season. Yeah. You know, it's always weird how, uh, and especially the the media vote, I, I don't know whether the media is given clear marching orders. Uh, is it the guy who has had the best statistical year, or the guy who has meant the most yeah. uh, winning team? And for me, it's the latter, and that would mean Herbert Jones. Uh, there's no question he is the most useful player in in the Southeastern Conference and probably ultimately the most valuable. I think any coach who, of course, watch film all day long, uh, any coach would probably agree with that, just his multiple skills. And Nate Oates told us on our podcast back in uh, the early fall that if that kid could just shoot mid to high 30s from three, you know, he's a 10-year pro because he's got length, athleticism, he loves to guard, best defender probably in the league. Uh and he's just a useful, great teammate. So I would I would go with him. I think the only other person really that has a realistic chance is a freshman. That's Cam Thomas from LSU. You know, we talked about him being a volume shooter and all, but he is leading the league in scoring. And right. Without him, LSU, you know, wouldn't be nearly as potent. Uh, somebody would step up and replace some of that output, but there's no way you're going to replace 23 points a game if, Cam Thomas had signed with Kentucky or whatever. So uh, he'd be the only other guy that uh, looking around uh, that, that I see. It's funny, a team like Tennessee, which was ranked all year until losing a, at Auburn last Saturday, they don't have anybody in any of the stats. Yeah. Like top uh, scoring, rebounding, assists. Uh, they're just so, you know, uh, deep, I guess, and, and – but that's kind of the way it is uh, with a lot of these teams. There's just not a, a guy. You know, Keontae Johnson from Florida went down tra- tragically um, with a heart issue, and th- thank goodness it wasn't COVID-related. And he's been back and helping uh, be an assistant coach, actually, with the team. And 
So he would have been a guy, but yeah, it's just one of those years. Well, speaking of guys who are uh, good teammates, you know, glue guys and keep everybody together and great in the locker room, our, our guest is coming up. He is Dane Bradshaw, and he is here. Dane, of course, a uh, Vol for Life and SEC Network analyst. Dane, how you doing? I'm just glad to be invited twice in one season. I'm honored. <laughs> it, it doesn't Happy take a whole lot to get invited twice to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we had you on at the beginning of the conference season, and now we wanted you on it near the end to kind of get your take and dang if you weren't uh at senior night for alabama uh well not actually there as as covid protocol but you worked the game and i'm just curious i've grown to to love this alabama team and as you know we did pick them in our preseason rankings but we got lucky come on i'm gonna admit it Uh, we didn't really know but how good do you think this team is and how far do you think it can go? Yeah, I think they're going to have to really shoot it even better. I mean, uh, their, their percentages have been okay recently, but they hadn't, uh, like there was a time in the year, I don't know how high they got on their offensive efficiency, but right now they're, they're top 40 in the country, which is still good, but not as hot as they've been. I mean, I, I think, I think they can make the sweet 16 with, their defense sort of leading the way and their offense still being more than competent. But to make that special run, they're going to have to get really hot from three the way we know they can. Um, but a couple things on that where uh, I expect them to get hotter and even better on offense in the NCAA tournament than I do the SEC tournament. Because as you know, when you're seeing teams for the second, third time, the tape is out. And it's not as if the NCAA opponent doesn't have the tape. But but there is nothing better than learning by doing or learning by getting humiliated by like if LSU plays Alabama again, they're probably going to play them a little bit better. You know, I mean, any of those opponents, um, whereas in the NCAA tournament, when they get some, you know, two the two fifteen matchup or the two ten seven, whatever it is, uh, I think those teams are, are going to be a little bit shell shocked when they see Alabama, just how fast they attack the basket. Um, I think John Petty's a key to that. Uh, all these, all the other guys, um, can shoot the three, but sometimes a team just has a guy that is, is more contagious, uh, with his three point shooting. If John Petty makes a couple in a row, it has a greater influence on his team than, you know, uh, Alex Reese making a couple threes. I mean, when, when they see Petty hitting, it's like, oh yeah, it's on tonight. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's some momentum. So. Those are a couple of things I'm looking for for them offensively that I think would uh, take them from a Sweet 16 favorite to Elite Eight, and then who knows. One more about Alabama. To me, you know, when you think of modern basketball, this style is kind of the blueprint where it's everything either at the rim or, or at the three point line. Sometimes does it almost drive you crazy though how much they pass it back out when when they you know I'm I'm like dude take the layup. It's really an interesting style to watch, isn't it? Yeah, and I've had the benefit of just uh, speaking with Coach Oates on several pregame Zoom calls, and he's terrific with the media and and open. And his thing is he tells them, look, it is shot first. You play and you go um, attacking to score or think shot on the perimeter until the defense takes it away. And so um, he wants them, to your point, not kicking it out as much. If If they've got an advantage, disadvantage at the rim, go ahead and finish that thing. Um, but they also know that if they don't, it's what they call a spray out pass. Every team has their different terminology, but they call it 
uh, a spray. And so maybe at times they, they do that uh, a little bit too often, but um, it's interesting because I've seen recently where Eric Musselman at Arkansas has talked about them tracking passes in a game. Last night they had over 300 passes. Hmm. I asked Coach Oates, I said, as much analytics as you guys have, do, do you track passes? And he said, no, we did that for a while, but we, we got away from it. Um, just because he didn't want his team to, to overpass at times. He wants them taking that open shot because he's got the personnel where he's got five shooters on the court. And he didn't want them subconsciously thinking, oh, well, I can get credit if I get a third pass in this right. possession, you know, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. I mean, it's different strokes for different folks, but um, the NBA's used it a ton and there's merit to it. But um, to your point about not making sure you don't overpass is um, is, is a critical one. You mentioned Arkansas. They're about the hottest team, certainly in the SEC and maybe in the country. What, what kind of chance do you think that group has to, to make a deep run in March? Another team can put up some points and you know has a lot of interchangeable parts to the roster. And now they've gotten themselves up to a three seed. I mean, so as you guys are aware, look, your your odds increase on making yeah. a run the better seeds you get. And and they've got themselves in a darn good position right now. Ten straight conference wins. Um Eric Musselman, when in a season where everybody's gotten a pass, rightfully so, for new teams, freshmen not to come together, not to have that chemistry, something to be off. Somehow, Eric Musselman's figured it out. I mean, that maturation process and the chemistry amongst a ton of newcomers has somehow gotten accelerated. It didn't happen to start the season, but throughout the course of the year, um, they, they've hit their stride. And uh, Moses Moody, the freshman's been tremendous. He's kind of been their anchor offensively, even when things were, were bad. Justin Smith, they got like three guys that I feel like any team would love to have as, as their sort of glue guy. You know, Jalen, uh, excuse me, Justin Tate at point guard. Um, you've got, uh, 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 Smith down low, who's done so many things for him, kind of like a point forward. And, uh, and, um, the big kid, what's that? Note, yeah, coming off the bench. Uh, Jalen Williams, a big, big guy, just so physical. They, they have so many players that, that, that do the little things. And usually when you're watching a game, you point to like the one guy on the roster that does that for that team. Uh-huh. And man, they've got, they've got a roster full of them. And so, uh, I give them all the credit in the world. And, uh, you know, that, they, they, they may take another loss, you know, between now and then, obviously, but, um, it's it's not just about getting in the tournament. It's about setting yourself up with a good chance to advance and, and give them credit where it's due. They've done it. Dane, I, I know you're out of eligibility. I was at your senior night, uh, so I know this to be true. But, dang, if, if you're alma mater, you mentioned glue guy a while ago. I remember you were on Seth Davis's all glue guy team. <laughs> it seems like your alma mater could use that type because when JoJo James went out, and he hasn't practiced much in two weeks, they've kind of – I talked to Rick Barnes about this today, in fact. Uh, his injury has really affected them, and that's the kind of position that you played, uh, you know, a versatile guy who could handle it, who could play an undersized four, you know, guard people. Uh, you know, what do, what do you see as Tennessee's kind of in, root of it, their inconsistency? Gosh, it's a, it's a tough question. If, if we knew the answer Rick Barnes did, uh, you know, it would have been solved. And, but to start with James, you're right. He was kind of the unsung hero. He was the steady 10 points, five boards, five assists. I can guard the point guard if you need me to, or if we want to go small, fine, I'll guard the four or five. Um, so to not have just that, 
uh, it, it was almost like this uh, mature fatherly figure on the court for everybody, you know. Um, but it's uh, there's no question there, there's a lot of confidence issues right now on this this Tennessee team. And what concerns me is just again going back to the seating. In my mind, I was thinking, man, they just got to get out of this regular season, hold on to that five seed for dear life, and just get some new life going in the CAA tournament. I know that you know hope isn't a plan, but some of it is just mm-hmm. all right. Let's put the regular season behind us. And for guys like Fulkerson, I know when I was struggling, I loved when the SEC team tournament started or the NCAA tournament started. It was just like, all right, nobody even cares what you did in your last five games. Nobody does because it's 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 all or nothing now, and and it's it's a refreshing feeling. Um, so you know the, the positives are the the freshmen are continuing to grow um, and, and play pretty well. But I'm I'm with you. We texted earlier, Chris. Even and I've been wrong about a lot of things, but I, I was you know I was. I question the stability at the point guard position, even early on in the season when they were top 10 in the country, perfect non-conference. And people said, what's your weakness? I said, look, I know Rick Barnes trusts Vescovia point guard, but in terms of just who's going to have the ball in their hands at the end of a game, when a team is pressuring and all those other things, I I'm not, they got a lot of guys on the team that can play point guard if you need them to, but I don't know that there's anyone that can thrive at that position. And, and that's been a, a, uh, just one of the riddles they're trying to solve. Dan, when you look around the uh, the SEC, is there a logical choice for player of the year in this league? Uh, I think so. There, there's some coaches. Um, Bruce Pearl, who I spoke to yesterday, that subscribe to best player on the best team, and, and I typically do that unless there's something just historic, sure. you know, going on. If, if some if if somebody that's finished fourth in the league is averaging a thirty a game, then I, I think you make exceptions, but. I just think the way Alabama has led from start to finish, how uh, Herbert Jones has improved his shooting ability, leads the team in several categories, and then several categories that don't show up on the stat sheet that they track. He leads them in, in charges, hustle plays, um, yeah, you know, dives on the floor, any of that stuff. And, and so I think he's worthy of it, and I think he'll also get defensive player of the year too. Um, I think he could get both, which – uh, I believe uh, Tyler Eulis was the last to do it, and he and Anthony Davis may be the only other two that have ever gotten both. You'll have to fact check me on that. But uh, I think this is just one of those years where um, uh, Alabama's been the clear favorite. I, I did think that you know Moses Moody was starting to put some pressure on that with the way Arkansas has come up, but uh, I think they'll give that Freshman of the Year uh, award to him and um, and take care of Herbert Jones. Plus, you know. And, and it's not about rewarding somebody for the years prior to this, but there's a reputation associated with Herbert Jones where he is a media favorite, a fan favorite, a coach's favorite, where, mm-hmm. you know, people are genuinely happy for this level of success that, that he's, he's having. And I think that's going to carry some weight for him in the votes. Dane, poor Texas A&M, uh, you know, you look and, and they've played eight conference games. Uh, how many times have you seen them and, how tough must that have been? They've only played 15 games overall. They just Buzz Williams just got a raw deal this year, didn't he? Yeah, and then as soon as they they got out of the COVID break, that's when um, the snowstorm hit and and the weather canceled their next game. Right. And I think after that, they had another contact tracing. I might get that some of the timing messed up there, but yeah, it's just been one thing after another. Um, here's here's my bold prediction for the SEC tournament, though. 
I, I could see them, you know, they, they've got, they're going to play for the first time in, in over a month. And I'm not saying they're going to uh, impress anybody in the regular season. I just get the sense that you could, you could just see one of these wacky stories in the SEC tournament where they win a couple games because he, he gets them to play ugly. He makes it ugly for the opponent. It's a new arena to where, you know, sometimes that's not a shooter's field type place, you know, those, that, those type of theories. And, um, so I want to be surprised when, when you learn to expect the unexpected, if A&M all of a sudden comes out of nowhere and, and wins a couple games uh, in the SEC tournament. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me because it, if Tennessee were to win on Saturday, that would put them in that fifth slot. Um, and that's going to play the winner of, of Texas A&M Vandy. So you're right. I, if Texas A&M played Tennessee with, with Tennessee's confidence is, is at a low ebb. Let's put it that way. Right. It would surprise me if you were right that Texas A&M just messed up a couple people and sent some people home with hurt feelings. <laughs> yeah. Dane, as we finish up, how much do you have to salute just everybody in the SEC and really around college basketball for putting on a season with all the starts and stops and everything that's happened this year? Yeah, and and the players, um, and, and gosh, the amount of people around the facilities that, that help ensure safety and the protocols and the countless hours they put in um, and the sacrifice. I mean, you talk to uh, – sports information directors, the guys behind the scenes that do so much work for the media guides and the game notes. And, and they hadn't really been able to be part of the team like right. they want to this year. They're, they're sitting up in the top level at practice. You know, they're doing all they can because the last thing you want is the sports information directors is to cause some contact tracing. So, you know, it, it's all types of those things where, you know, they, they hadn't gotten to experience that, that family environment. Um, but it, you know, it was the sacrifice to, to get guys on the court. And of course, Commissioner Sankey um, just deserves so much credit for his leadership. Um, and, and it all started, obviously, with the football push and doing that before it was a popular stance across the country um, and others followed suit. So um, and here we are, you know, and they've never wavered from from playing an SEC tournament either. When others started to question about conference tournaments and they never even said, no, we're considering not playing one. Now they've just said we're going to move playing. forward. Dane, always great. Enjoy your work on TV and your time with us, too. We appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate you guys. Thanks a lot, Chris. Anytime. That was SEC Network analyst Dane Bradshaw. Always appreciate his time. Joins us from time to time on our Blue Ribbon SEC podcast. Chris, will wrap it up on that. Uh, finishing up the regular season this weekend and to Nashville for the SEC tournament. It's going to look different than normal, but uh, glad we're having it and be a few people in the house and uh, – I'll get to uh, to head down there, too, and, and, and call hopefully a game or two. So looking forward to it next week. Yeah, I hope to see you in person. But if not, we'll, we'll convene next year at, at our same uh, Mexican restaurant. That we <laughs> That's right. We, we hit all the spots uh, downtown. He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon SEC Basketball Podcast. We will talk to you next time.